Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. That being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do that. Get your sermon notes out. Um, We're going to start a series uh, today called Hooked. And I know that that if you've been going to church for a long time and you think of, of a series entitled Hook, Hooked, you're either thinking, okay, this is obviously a series about addictions, and I would tell you it's not. It, it, or you say, oh, I get it, Fishers of Men, this is about evangelism, and I would again tell you it's not. This is a, a, different, a, a different series, a different way of looking at things. I, I remember a long time ago, um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, 20 years ago, uh, this coming Wednesday is when, uh, is when my wife and I got married. And we met six months before that, um, um, really almost exactly six months before that. Um, we met at, at the Steak and Shake in Valparaiso. And uh, my, my church went there, uh, the church I was a pastor of, we had a, a, a singles group. There were about 15 or 20 singles in the church. And every now and then we just got together for you know dinner and bowling or something like that. And that's exactly what was happening that night. We got together at Steak and Shake. And um, um, I, I really didn't want to go that night. Uh, me and my brother, uh, my brother actually lived with me at the time. Uh, my brother and I were not married at the time. And, and we're like, ah, man, another thing to do. I mean, I was pushing 70, 80 hours a week uh, on any given week. And I was just tired. And yet it was kind of expected that I was going to be there. So, so, you know, my brother and I talked about it, said, all right, let's, let's go. You know, we'll go to this singles event. And so I, I walked in, I walk into Steak and Shake in Valparaiso, Indiana, and um, um, as I come and find a seat, I, I look across um, where the whole group is, and I'm sitting on the other side of, of the table is the most beautiful young lady I'd ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I, I was enamored by her. I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. I was, I was totally captivated by this, uh, by this woman, and sitting right next to her was Jennifer, my wife. And no, no, I'm just... <laughs> I, it was a joke. That was a joke. She's, she's not here this morning, so I, she's, she'll be here at the second service. So, uh, no, it was my wife. It was my wife. Um, and so, I mean, I was captivated by Jennifer. I was enamored with her. To, to the point, it was so obvious to everybody else. I, I couldn't keep staring at her. I, I was looking for ways to talk with her. I, I was like ignoring everybody else and um, in order to, 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 you know, just get close to her, to sit with her, to, to talk with her. And um, um, that, that evening, I, my, after, after we went out to eat and went bowling, um, on, on the way home, I told my brother, you might have heard the story. I told my brother, I said, I'm going to marry that girl. That girl's going to be my wife. And my brother looked at me. He said, I know. And I, I felt that too. And um, like within just a day or so, I developed a, a cold sore. And I thought, well, this is bad timing. I, I can't ask her out right now. And, um, and so a couple of weeks went by. The cold sore went away. But then I was too chicken. I thought, is she even going to remember me? And so it took me about three weeks 
um, to actually have the, the, um, the, the gumption to actually ask her out. And uh, I did it the right way, though. I, I uh, you know, called her about three weeks later. Actually, I called her dad, and I just said, um, you know, sir, can I, can I take your daughter on a, on a date if she would like to do that? And he, he said, absolutely, you can do that. And so I then, then he handed the phone to her, and I asked her out on the date, and we went uh, on our very first date. It was miniature golf, and, and uh, I, I just, the whole night, I, just, I was just enamored with her. Just, I, I just couldn't stop um, staring at her, and, and just while, uh, every single day thereafter, I just wanted to be with her. I couldn't wait to be with her. Um, I mean, we were, we were making any excuse that we could to be together, and I was, I was spending so much money. You know, when Jennifer and I got, when, I, I should say Visa was spending so much money. It wasn't me. It was when Jennifer and I got, got married. Uh, um, we were $65,000 in debt when we got married, and um, oh, my brother is here this morning. He can attest this. I just saw him over here this morning. Uh, he was there that night that I met Jennifer for the first, for the first time. And so I was just a poor pastor. I didn't have any. I was. I didn't have any money. But every night I just wanted to be with her. So so I broke out. I broke out credit cards. So when we got married, I had sixty five thousand dollars worth of debt. And and I'm gonna guess at least two thousand of that was just that courtship time. That really only lasted by the time that I asked her out. Um, uh, you know, three months, or three weeks after we met. Two months later, we were engaged. And three three months after that, we were actually married. It was February twenty seventh. Um, uh, 1999, and so, uh, and, and I have been, I have been absolutely enamored with her ever since. I, I've just been, I mean, I'm captivated by her. I think of her all the time. I, and I was going to say, how many married people are like that? But I don't want some of you not to raise your hand. <laughs> so I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask that, that question. But I, I think about my wife all the time. I'm texting her all the time. I'm calling her all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm still, even to this day, I'm just captivated by my wife. I, let, let me say it this way. I am hooked on Jennifer. I'm just, I'm hooked on Jennifer. I, I mean, she's just the delight of, of my life. She's the joy of my life. And I, I was, um, as I was preparing this message, and I, I wanted to give some scripture to you that I thought was powerful because ultimately, as much as you're hooked, hopefully hooked on your spouse, well, hopefully hooked on your children, um, you know, as you're captivated by the love of somebody or by just being around somebody, you're enamored with somebody, how, how much more should we be enamored with God, uh, captivated by God, hooked by God? How much more? If my wife loves me to the level that she loves me, then it's an amazing amount of love, a, a love that I don't deserve. Certainly God loves me that much times infinity, Times infinity with with an everlasting, unconditional, unending love—a love that I could never fully understand. And I was thinking about this. God, God's love to so many believers here in the nation, in, in especially in America, God's love is a concept that has been taught, but not a truth that has been truly received. It is a concept that has been taught but a truth that has not been truly received by many believers across this nation. And, and what I mean by that, if, if I were to say a phrase, um, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, vast majority of you in this room, I've already said it in your mind, for the Bible tells me so. So you've been taught the concept, but many of you might be able to quote, well, for the Bible tells me so. Many of you can, can, can finish the sentence, finish the verse, 
You've caught the concept, but you haven't received the reality of it. You haven't, you haven't received the truth. You haven't accepted the truth of God's love. And I want to start out with a verse found in Psalm 34, verse 8. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys. Not, not just joy, but joys, plural. One after the other, after the other, after the other. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, just get a sampling of him, and you're going to realize that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, uh, before we go any further, I've got good news for you today. I just, just, uh, just because I love you guys and because uh, it's just fun to give stuff away. Everybody on the way out today is going to get a candy bar of your choice. We're talking Snickers and M&Ms and um, uh, Skittles for all of you, you know, weirdos and um, Starbursts. And for all of you sickos out there, Three Musketeers, I don't know why people created Three... What is Nougat anyway? I don't even know what that is. And it, it tastes like vomit in a bar. So, But if you're weird and you like Three Musketeers, have those. In fact, I would beg you to take the Three Musketeers, because if we have leftovers, I don't want those in leftovers, all right? So please take the three messages here. So you can have your choice on the way out, just as, as a reminder, as a reminder today of what we've talked about, and just because we just love, just giving, I don't know, we just love blessing people when they show up. And uh, so that, that's on us, everybody. Everybody gets a candy bar. Even your kids, make sure your kids get one. But only take one, all right, all right, just take one. I know you're gonna be tempted, and your kids are gonna be, just take one, so that way everybody can have one. That way we'll have enough. First John 4, 8. 15 through 16. In fact, this is the second part of verse 8. It just says this, God is love. God is love. God is love. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God, and we know how much God loves us. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Now, let me, let me say it like this. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people in this room that you've been raised in Sunday school, you've been raised in a Christian home, and you know how much God loves you. You've been taught a concept. You've been taught a concept. But my question is, have you went further and have you put the entirety of your trust in his love? Have you put the entirety of your trust in his love? Uh, let me say it this way. Have you accepted, have you received the true, awesome love of God? Now, I'm going to prove to you this morning that there are many in this room that might not have received it to the fullest that you think you have. And I'm going to prove that to you this morning. And I'm reminded of something before I go any further that, that um, the Bible says that when we read the Word of God, that it actually exposes what's inside of us. Did you know that? Like, it opens us up. This is Justin's paraphrase. It opens us up and, and it shows the motives of our heart and what we're really struggling with, what we're really doing. And, and there, are, there are churches across America that stay away from subjects like this because they, they just want everybody to feel good and, and it, you know, hey, everybody, you, you know, this is what God gives you. This is what God gives you. And he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And he is good. And there's nothing wrong with those. But at the same point, sometimes you have to balance that with, hey, the word of God, though, is living and active and it actually exposes what's in our heart. And so if we're, 
if we're truly a church that studies the word of God, there are, there are certainly days, in fact, I hope every day, that we come together and God just exposes something else in us that he can heal, that he can take care of. How many, how many, I mean, you're like me. If you go to church, you want to be changed by the presence and the power of a living God. I mean, I want to be changed. I don't want to, I don't want to just hear the foo-foo stuff. I mean, I do. I want to hear foo-foo stuff. But I also, I want to walk away knowing that the presence and the power and the spirit of God was at work in me and that I'm different and that I'm changed and that I've, that I've actually met with God. Then this is one of those moments where as I teach the word of God, and I'm going to tell you all the foo-foo stuff today. It's going to be a foo-foo day. But at the end of it, though, I'm, I'm going to read one verse of scripture. And, and when I read that verse of scripture, I believe that there's so many, there's going to be many of you in this room that, that your heart is going to be open and there's going to be some things exposed. And, and God's going to change us today for, for, the, for the glory of his name and for our benefit as well. It's going to be wonderful. God is love. Number one, write this down. Love is the very essence of who God is. It is the very essence of who God is. God is love. Love is the very essence of who God is. Write these things down, letter A. It reflects his very nature. That's what we're talking about. God is love. It is his very nature. It is his very nature. It's the essence of who he is. Letter B, it consumes his every thought. If God is love, then every single thought is consumed in love. Letter C, it motivates his every action. So every action that God puts into place, every time that he acts, it is always an act of love. Why? Because that's who he is. It is, it is the essence of God. And you say, well, what, what, what about when God disciplines? That's love. God disciplines those he loves. You see that? Letter D, it directs his every response. So when we call upon the Lord, he's going to respond to us. But I promise you, he's always going to respond to us in love because it is the essence of who he is. It is the essence of who he is. So it reflects his nature. It consumes his every thought. It motivates his every action. It directs his every response. Every single thing that the Lord says and does is in love. Every time he looks at you, he looks at you in love. Every time he thinks of you, he thinks of you in love. See, see we, we've had people, I, I've had people um, get very upset, very upset to the point where uh, I, I would say, hey, listen, don't, don't come in and talk to me tomorrow. I don't want to talk to you about this because you will lose that argument. And people are like, uh, Pastor Justin, I need to make a meeting with you today. I know you said don't call you, don't come in, but I have to because I think you're wrong. Okay, you can come in. But you will not change my point of view. Why? Because God is love. God thinks of you in love. Why? Because it's the essence of who he is. So here's a statement that I've made, and it has been offensive to some, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And I literally had people come into my office after I said, don't come into my office. Call me up, Pastor, I need to come to your office. Well, I think God loves me. Yeah, I'm a believer, but what about, what about the ones who haven't accepted him? Their picture isn't on his refrigerator. 
get out of my office. That's what I, I didn't say that to them because it is a teaching moment. And, and trust me, Noosa, I'm, say, I'm saying this in jest. I, I really wanted to, to convey to them the love of God. And I took time with them and I instructed them and I shared with them the word of God. And there were some that just couldn't accept the fact. I, I would even tell them, hey, listen, if you had a rebellious child, does, it, does, does anything stop you from loving that child? I mean, yeah, you get frustrated. Yeah, you have to discipline. But do you stop loving that child? Do you take that picture down from the refrigerator like, oh, you're re- being rebellious. Oh, put you in the trash. No, you don't do that. And if we who are evil know how to be sort of good parents, that's Justin's paraphrase, how much more of a perfect parent is our heavenly father? And he doesn't take your picture off of his refrigerator because you're having a bad day or because you're being stupid or you're being rebellious. If God, has a, if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. And that's offensive to some, but can I tell you, it's offensive to them because they understand the concept of God's love, but they have never received the reality of it. It's good stuff. And if you call me this week, say, Pastor, I need to talk to you about that. I want you to know I actually want to talk to you about that. But what I'm going to share with you is exactly what I'm sharing right now, that the Lord loves you on your worst day. He loves you. And he'll never stop loving you. On your very worst day, he is still madly in love with you. And if you call me this week, say, well, pastor, I want to talk to you. You need to know what I'm going to tell you. It's the exact same thing that I'm telling you right now. Now, let me prove it to you. Can I I just prove it to you today? Number two, write this down. God's love is, and I'm going to move quickly through these. God's love is, just listen, receive this today, new song. Don't just be taught it. Receive it today. God's love is unconditional. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ was madly in love with us. On our most rebellious day, he loved us. Well, he wasn't pleased with me. No, he wasn't. But he was in love with you and is in love with you even to this day. His love is unconditional. And there are so many verses throughout the Bible about that. The unconditional love of God. Letter B, write this down. It's unblemished. Unblemished. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. The love of God is absolutely 100% all the time perfect. It is unblemished. There's no weakness in it. There's no, there's no, there's no moment inside of God where he just, even for a day, decides not to love. His love is perfect. It is unblemished. Let us see. It is unfailing. Psalm 36, 7 says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. 
People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Remember 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says simply this, love never fails. Love never fails. Why? Because it is an unfailing love. It is perfect. It is unblemished. It is unconditional. It is unfailing. Letter D, it is unending. It is unending, but from everlasting, Psalm 103, 17 says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What, what, what type of love does God have for you? It is an everlasting love. It is an unending love. Love, letter E, it is unbroken. Romans 8, 38 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is an unbroken love. I don't care what you've done, God still loves you. I don't care what words have come out of your mouth, God still loves you. What can separate you from the love of God? The point of those verses is absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. See, some of you have been taught that, but there's a few of you in this room, all of you hopefully have been taught that, but I know there's some in this room that have not received that. And today I'm praying that you receive it. It is an unbroken love. It is an unselfish love. Letter F. 1 John 3.16, we know what real love is. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. It is an unselfish love. Meaning this, everybody, God isn't love for his benefit. He is love for ours. God doesn't live for his benefit. He lives for ours. Love always, listen, 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 new song. I've taught you this in the past. Maybe you've not heard it before. But love always lives for the benefit of someone else. That's what love does. How do I know? Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not prideful. It's not boastful. No, Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. It always trusts. It always protects, right? Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. If God is love, I promise you this, he's not living just for his benefit or for his benefit. He's living for your benefit. He's living because he loves you. He's loving us at all times and all things. He's unselfish with his love. He doesn't withhold it from anybody. He's very unselfish with it. Again, God's love is unconditional and unblemished and unfailing and unending and unbroken and unselfish. Was that just a concept that you were taught? Or maybe you're hearing those things for the first time today. Is it just something that you've been taught or are being taught? Or is it something that you have actually received? 
Can I say that this is on a side note here? But this is how this is how I think this is going to make sense to you after I say it like this. Most people just kind most Christians just kind of know that God loves them. And that's why they just kind of follow him. Most people just kind of know that God, well, I kind of know God loves me, and so I'll kind of follow him. Okay, can I tell you something, everybody? When I met Jennifer for the first time, and I, and I was head over heels in love with her from the moment I saw her. And if you don't believe in love at first sight, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm just, and it wasn't just because she was beautiful. I just saw past I not only saw what was on the outside, I saw also in her what was on the inside. I, I don't know, it was just God-given discernment? I don't know. But I was captivated by her. And, and so I didn't just kind of like her, therefore kind of, you know, pursued her. No, <laughs> there was no kind of about it. I was all in. And she was being pursued by a guy who was all in. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't just a kind of into her. And some people, I really think, they're just kind of into God because they kind of understand what his love is like. And I'm here to break that cycle today. I'm here to break that cycle today. So before... You accept, number three, before you accept the reality of God's love, you you have to accept it. Let me say it this way. You have to accept the reality of God's love before you can rely on it. Before, remember we said that from 1 John 4, 15 to 16, we know how much God loves us. We know how much he loves us. And we have put the entirety of our trust in him, in his love. Have you done that yet? I mean, the entirety of your trust in his love. See, see, you have to accept the reality of God's love in its fullness before you can actually fully rely on it, before you can actually trust in it with your whole heart. In fact, this is Psalm 51, and I left this note in here uh, from Psalm 51. It, it says at the beginning of the chapter in Psalm 51, for the director of music, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So this is after David's sin, after he sinned against God and against man. Psalm 51, verse 1, have mercy on me, O God. This is David. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all of my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. What he's saying is, Father, there's something I know about you, that your love is unfailing. There's something I know about you. You have such great compassion that when I call upon you in repentance, that you're going to cleanse me. Like he's saying, in this moment, because of your unfailing love, God, one thing I know is that I can fully rely upon you. I can fully put my trust in you. You see, there's something that David, why why was David a, a man after God's own heart? Could it be that he didn't just have a teaching of the love of God, but he had fully received the love of God, the reality of the love of God? Could it be? As if you say, if David was perfect, well, the, ob- the, the answer is an obvious no. 
He wasn't perfect, and yet he was a man after God's heart. Why? Could it be that he just trusted in God's unfailing love? Could it be? And I would suggest to you that that's exactly why. He just trusted. He relied upon God's love. And I know when it comes to our salvation, we're like, well, I rely upon God's love. I mean, that's how I'm going to make it to heaven, right? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, including me, would just trust in him, that I'd be with him throughout all of eternity. So, of course, I'm I'm relying upon the love of God to get me into heaven. But can I ask you a question? Are, Are you just relying upon God's love to get you in heaven? Or are you relying upon God's love to get you through this day? See? See everybody? Letter B, write this down. I must accept the reality of God's love before I can reciprocate it. So I have to understand the reality of God's love before I rely upon it, truly rely upon it every single day. And I have to understand it before I can truly reciprocate it. Psalm 63.3 says, because your love is better than life, because your love, think about that, your love, God, is better than life. My lips will glorify you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to reciprocate the love that you have for me by showing you how much I love you. I'm going to reciprocate that love. Now, let me ask you a question. Put all your sermon notes away. Let me just minister to you for a few moments here. Are you going to reciprocate that love perfectly? I can't. I don't know about you. I can't do that. I can't reciprocate the love of God in perfection. But I can do it from my heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. I I can do it even better if I fully understood the love of God. I could do it better. Can I tell you this too? It's easier to reciprocate the love of God when you have fully received the love of God. That's when you truly start reciprocating it, is when you fully receive it. See, see, when you're truly in love, you go to great lengths to be with that person, to talk with that person, just to be around that person, right? When you're in love, you go to great lengths just to be with them. Do you really love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you go to great lengths just to be in his presence? See, so your heart is starting to be exposed now. By the way, it's only going to get worse for the next few minutes, but then it's going to get better. Then it's going to get better. I'm going to read to you from Ephesians chapter 3. This is how we're going to end it today. ah, I, I got to hear my phone. I'll just pull it up on my phone. Paul Paul is writing this church in Ephesus and he must understand something about them because of what he's about to pray over their life. And this is exactly what I've prayed over you, New Song, numerous times. 
but, but, the, the, but when we get to the end of this, I'm going to point out something that I did not catch until, until just this weekend. I never caught this before. It's something brand new to me. He, he must, Paul must have known under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the church, that Christ's church, had, had sort of understood the concept of God's love, but they didn't fully, they, they had not fully received the reality of it, the bigness of it, the magnitude of it. Because he writes in Ephesians chapter 3, actually starting in verse 14, 15, and 16, he's praying a prayer. But in, in 17, he kind of switches from the power of God to the love of God. And he prays this over the church. And I pray that you, you, you could say if, if, if Paul was in this room today, he would say, and I pray that you new song, being rooted and established in love. And what that means, rooted and established, it means that, that the, it, it runs deep in you. You've not only accepted it as knowledge, but you have received it as truth. It has become a reality to you. Established in love may have power. I pray that you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. Does that include us? Yes or no? Yeah. To get together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And watch this, verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. This love that surpasses knowledge. So we're not talking about what you've just been taught. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. No, we're going past the knowledge, the concepts of what we've been taught into the reality of it. That's what he's saying. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, watch this, that you may be filled, I'm coming back to that, filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God, so that you could be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God, so that you could be filled with what? With all of the fullness of God. What is God? Who is God? God is love. Paul is praying, listen, I, I want you to be filled with God's measure of love. Not just the knowledge of it, but the infilling of it. I want you to be filled with it. This is what the Lord showed me. <laughs> there are loads of shallow Christians throughout the world. There might be, dare I say, some shallow Christians in this room. Is that you? Come on, let's let the Word of God expose what's in us. I believe that there are shallow Christians in the world today because they have not been filled with the fullness of God's love. If you're still making up your mind, if you're going to pray, if you're going to read your Bible, if you're going to go to church on Sunday, and I know I'm preaching the choir because you're here. But if you're still making those decisions, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the mood today. Oh, yeah, I probably ought to pray before I go to bed because I haven't done so all day yet. So, dear Lord, help me sleep good. Amen. Could it be that you're a shallow Christian? 
And could it be that you understand the concept of God's love, but you don't understand the reality of it? You don't understand the fullness of it? Because if you understood the fullness of it, you would be absolutely hooked on it. You would be absolutely hooked on it. You would be captivated by it. You would be enamored by it. You couldn't go, you couldn't go an hour without thinking about it. You couldn't go a day without thanking him for it. I'm talking about enamored, captivated, hooked by the love of God. And we need a revelation of his love. Would you stand up with me this morning? We're, we're exactly on time, new song. To, we're not running late today whatsoever. And so don't rush this moment. I, I have a feeling that there's some people in this room that, that you either didn't realize that the Lord is exposing what's in your heart or, or you feel that he's exposing some things inside of you and, says, and you say, boy, I really got to take care of that. But boy, what time is it? Come on. Come on, new song. Can, can I challenge all of us today? And this is good for us, that we not be shallow Christians, but that we would be filled to the fullest measure with the knowledge of God's love. Can we just take some time? And I'm, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray right now but I also want to tell you, as, as I'm praying, you're welcome to come down here and just flood this place and just kneel at an altar before the Lord and surrender yourself to him and say, Father, maybe, you're, maybe your prayer today is, Father, Father, I realize today I'm a shallow believer. I am a shallow believer. Apparently, I love the things of this world sometimes more than I love you. I'm captivated by the things of this world. I'm enamored by the things of this world more than I'm enamored by you, captivated by you. And you just need to solve that today. But I just want to tell you that these altars are open. You just come down. And you can come down as I start praying. Nobody will be looking at you. You just come down and seek the Lord. And even if they are, come down anyway. Even if they are, let's solve this thing with God today. Heavenly Father, I pray for new song that every single one of us would be captivated, absolutely captivated, enamored with your love. Lord, forgive us for being shallow believers. Forgive us for the times that we were more enamored by the things of this world and our eyes weren't on you. They were just on stuff, on others. And we just got it wrong. But God, we realize today how great your love is for us. It's an everlasting love. It is an unconditional love. It is a powerful love. It is an unblemished love. It's perfect. Lord, thank you for loving us even when we were unlovely.
God, I don't want to be a shallow Christian. I don't want to be a half-hearted Christian. That's not who I want to be. That's, that's not what I want this church to be, Father. I don't want us to be lukewarm in our love for you. God, I pray that every person in this room, through the power of your spirit, would understand how high and how long and how deep and how wide is your love for them. That they would not just understand the concept of your love, but they would be filled with the fullness of it. Lord, I declare over this church that we would be rooted and established in love. Thoroughly changed by it. That we would think about you at all times, in every way. So we respond to that love right now. Fill us, Holy Spirit, I pray. Not just with knowledge, but with the fullness of God's love. So that we could be thoroughly changed by it. And we receive you now. Holy Spirit, guide us into truth, I pray. Guide me into truth. Thank you that nothing separates us from the love of God. Thank you. Could we just lift up our hands to the Lord new song and just take a moment to bless him and say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for loving me the way that you do. Thank you for pouring out your spirit in my life. Thank you that your love is unconditional. It is unfailing. It is unblemished. It is unending. Thank you, Lord, for that type of love in my life. I receive it now, and I surrender my life wholeheartedly to you in love and in worship. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.